Last month we talked about what is lostness. This month we're going to talk about how do you talk to somebody who may be lost. What, what, what are the nuts and bolts of evangelism? For some of you, this will be brand new information. For a lot of you, perhaps, this will be a review, but maybe a timely review. So let me kind of uh, outline the, the course for you this month. Uh, tonight, Chris is going to be teaching, and, and he's going to give us some great information about kind of just the nuts and bolts of why we do evangelism and why we, or why we need to, but why we're hesitant and some things like that. And then next week, uh, Pastor Johnny Touche is going to be here. Uh, Johnny Touche is in uh, Uganda serving at an orphanage there and training pastors in biblical counseling and different things. So he's going to be here uh, next Wednesday night. The service will, will be his. I want to make sure that you come and hear about the great work that God's doing uh, through he and his family in Uganda. You're really going to be blessed by that. And then... Uh, following that, the, the, the next two Wednesday nights, we'll be talking about some practical ways that you can present the gospel, uh, giving you some tools, some practical, here, here's how you do it, ABC, here's how you do it, practical tools on how, how to share your faith. And not just one way, but more than one way, so that you can take a tool that fits your hand and, and then use it to share the gospel. So that's kind of where we're heading, and we're glad that you're a part of this and helping us to think like a missionary and hopefully to live like a missionary. Thank you for being here tonight. We are starting in on evangelism. Make sure you got the handout. Did anybody here not get a handout? All right, we'll get those. Peter, you want to take? Of course, some of you. Look at the front here. That's, that's all right. All right. Oh, I'll get one more. Forget you. All right. Lots of information, lots of stuff, and as Pastor and I were talking about last month and bleeding over into this month, what we wanted to do, I've uh, been watching a lot of things, and um, one of the things that he sent me a video of yesterday was uh, David Platt talking about evangelism, and one of the things he started off with was uh, why we don't share. Now, again, we talk to a group like this, and there's lots of you that do share, maybe on a regular basis, maybe every once in a while. You've, you've done evangelism, so like Pastor said, this is uh, just, just old habits to you. This, you know this. Some of us, we know we should, and we just don't. Um, and David Platt started off his message like that, but I don't want to tell you what he said until I hear from you. So I want to ask you, why do you think we don't share uh, the gospel? Uh, maybe for somebody, maybe as much as we should, or we don't share it at all. Why is it we don't share? Let's talk about that. Right. Nervous. All right. What else? Rejection. Who's ever been rejected in here? Raise your hand. Almost all of us can say we've, we've felt rejection. And I guess the reason we fear it is why? Because we've been rejected before and it hurts. Isn't that right? Uh, we're human and we understand that. So, and that was one of the things uh, David Platt talked about was just the fear of rejection. A lot of times we don't share because of the fear of rejection. What else? We don't know what to say. We think, I like that, the way you put it, we think we don't. We, I, I was talking to somebody one time, and they were saying, I just don't know enough. I don't know as much. And, and, and I was like, you know what? You do know enough. You know, sometimes we make it more complicated than it is. Um, and so we got to be careful of that. But I think that's one, one of the fears. I won't say what I need to say or something like that. What else? All right, that's a good one. A divide in a relationship. Maybe you've got this good thing going, and if you bring this up, it might be like, they'd be like, see you later, right? Uh, and I think some of that is in Boston and Cleveland. We talk about it because of, of the relationship there, uh, that it can be sometimes that. What else? Oh, that's a good one. We're going to talk about that tonight, that sometimes we're not even thinking about it as we're talking to somebody. What else? That's all of them. Fear of rejection or fear, just fear in general. Just fear, just scared. I mean, it's, can we say this? How about the fear of awkwardness? Anybody been sharing and it just felt awkward? Why does it feel awkward to share the gospel? Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Why does it feel awkward to do that? All right, Minority. sales pitch yeah 
The pastor said this several times. I think, was it Stroop that said this about it's more of a conversation than the presentation? But it, but it can. It becomes, it becomes dry. It becomes like just, you know, I, I got to get through these points. So that awkwardness. I, I've been there talking to somebody, and you're like, you know what? This, I know this sounds terrible on their end. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hard soul. Anything else? Ooh. <laughs> they know the real you, so it's like, how can I talk to the... That's dangerous. I mean, that is. So, um, so tonight, we're going we're gonna to do something a little different. Like Pastor said, tonight's not going to be... Uh, there's part practical. Um, some we're going to talk about in the next thing, some barriers um, in evangelism, some things that we have to get over. And the reason I, li- I like barriers is because barriers can be gotten around, can't they? Uh, we, we know, we just went, disaster relief, we just went down to uh, Wilmington, and one of the things they tell a lot of people in flooding areas is what? Don't go around the barriers. Because we see a lot of time on news what happens. People go around the barriers, and the cars start floating. It's not good. But with barriers, there are ways around it. So I think with some of the things that we're going to talk about, we have to remember... There are ways to get around some of these barriers. We just have to think and know how to do that. And so we're going to talk about that and talk about some practical ways. The other thing is this. You have it in your handout. It's the last page. We may or may not get to it tonight. We might do it in a couple weeks. But I want you to understand that evangelism is not only one way to do evangelism, and that's it. Is, is that a good way to put it? There, that there's, there's many ways uh, to share the gospel. We're going to talk about that. We're going to hopefully maybe bring down some of those fears that some of you think, you know what, I've got to know the whole Roman road, plus I have to take them to the Old Testament and explain the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and talk about the blood and what the blood in the Old... You know, there's a lot of fear that people think, well, I just, I don't know all that. And so we want to walk you through some things that will help you to, to just have natural conversations with people. And, and some of the things we're going to do are presentations. They are. They can be presentations. But, but some of the ways that we can use that and we can train ourselves is we can use it as just conversation pieces. And maybe even some of the things that we share are not all in one sitting. You ever feel like that? You feel like, man, I'm just going to talk their ear off and they're going to be bored and not want to listen to anything else I say after the first 30 minutes. So in pieces, doing evangelism. Evangelism is not just about, hey, I'm going to sit down with Miss Terry right here. I'm going to you know, share the whole Bible with her and I'm going to invite her to, to receive Christ and I'm going to ask her if she wants to pray and, and if she doesn't want to pray, then boom, I'm done, I'm out of here. You know, I hope somebody comes back and checks with her. You know, evangelism is about that relationship and it's not a one and done thing. It's a, it's a constantly making, you know, that hard soul. Maybe I got to work the soul and things like that. So I'm, I'm going to share some things that I, I, I walked through a study of Dr. David Geisler. His dad was an apologist um, I watched some of his dad's stuff, too, um, and, and just talked about how he watched his dad growing up. Uh, he said, I, I felt bad for people that he debated because his dad would just tear him to pieces with everything that he knew and all this stuff, and he, w- he was just a great debater and a great apologist, and he said it was great, but he said, I watched him. I thought, you know what? There's got to be another way to share the gospel with people. There's some great people that are great at debating like that, and they know the facts. They know God's word. And they know these things. And that's fine. And a lot of times those are people that probably might have the gift of evangelism. But there's some people, this has surprised you. And I've told a lot of people this, but surprised. People like me that are introverts, I have a hard time doing that sometimes. You know? And I know a lot of you. Maybe you're introverted. And, and to just go out and say it and just you know, those are hard things. So we're going to talk about some of those things. But, but two things that he talks about, and this is in your notes, and we're going to walk through this, are two barriers we face in evangelism. 
And, and the reason I want to bring these up is because I think it helps us to think, helps us to think when we're sharing the gospel with people, when we think about who we're talking with and what we're doing. So the first barrier is this, and, and I don't think this is a lot of us in this room, maybe it's partly this, but, but there's some, some harsh things I think we need to look at. So the first barrier is ourselves. David Geister says that one of the biggest barriers is ourselves, that we just don't have the heart for the loss that we should. Now, many of us in this room say, I have a heart for God. I love God. I want to serve God. I come to church. And for you, you guys are here on Wednesday night. That's a big deal now. Used to be not a big deal because Wednesday night was just a part of it. But, but for you to be here on Wednesday night is huge because more than likely you're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So you'd say, maybe not, not a bear to myself, but, but what we're talking about is having a heart for the lost. Do we have a heart for lost people? He, Dr. Geisler talked about being on a university campus one time. He's sitting on the bench and he said, I just sat there and I think he was a student at this time working with Campus Crusade. And he said, I sat there and I watched students go by me, one student after another. And even as a student, he said, I began to cry. I broke down crying thinking, you know what? Those people are going to hell if somebody doesn't share the gospel with them. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you sat down and watched people and realized that, you know what? If they don't know Jesus, if nobody's ever shared with them, they're going to hell. And when's the last time you broke down and were burdened about that? You know why we don't? Sometimes it's because we don't think about it. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but there's, there's all these things, these barriers, sometimes ourselves. So why don't we have a heart for the lost? Let me share three things with you. Number one, we aren't totally convinced of the truth of Christianity. And you say, in Wednesday night, group like you, you say, you know what? I'm totally convinced of Christianity. But what I want to do is I want to challenge you tonight to really think about this. Are you totally convinced of Christianity? And what I mean by that is this. Are you totally convinced that Christianity is the only way to God? If I was to have hands raised in this room, probably everybody would raise their hands just because of the awkwardness of, if I don't raise my hand, I'll look weird. But, it, but, but probably in this room, if I said, is Jesus the only way to heaven, to God, most of you raise your hand. They did a study, David Geisler talked about it, they did a study that 57%, 57% of church attenders said that Jesus was not the only way. That's shocking, isn't it? Now listen, Wednesday night, it's probably not that many. Sunday morning, it might be a little different. Do we really believe that Jesus is the only way to God? If we do, then there's a lot of people out there that are dying and going to hell. And if we don't tell them that, so do we have a heart for the lost? I, I remember pastor doing a series on I am. I want some of you to turn to a couple verses. Somebody turn to John 14, 6. Somebody turn to John 17, 3. Somebody turn to chapter 9, verses 24 and 25 of John. And then also John eleven twenty five. I know I said those fast. I'll say them one more time. John 14, 6. John 17, 3. John 9, 24 through 25 and 11.25. I could go on with so many more verses, but I want you to listen to this and think about this. Am I totally convinced of the truth of Christianity? And if I am, then I have to do something. If, if I'm not, I have to do something with these verses, okay? So let's read, let's read these together. Who's got John 9, 24, and 25? Go ahead. think about this. You know the story of the blind man? Jesus comes up. What does he do? He heals him. How's he healing? And the blind man, he didn't know much. He said, I don't know. I don't know much. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know how he did that. I, I don't know that, but I do know something. What does he know? I can see. I was blind, but now I see. 
Are you totally convinced the truth of Christianity? This guy, he was. <laughs> of what Christ did, how Christ did what he did. John eleven twenty five. who's got that? Go ahead. Jesus said he was what? The resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, not in Buddha, not in uh, Muhammad, not in any other person, but if you believe in who? Me, you will what? Never die. So where is the resurrection and life found? In Jesus. See the pattern? In John chapter 14, verse 6, what does it say? Who went there? Some of you should know it. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, 57% of church attenders say there's more ways to God than through Jesus. But according to Jesus, how many ways are there? There's one. Listen, one of the biggest barriers in evangelism is ourselves, a lot of times because we don't have a heart for the lost and we're not totally convinced that this is the only way. Now, I don't, I don't think that's totally you guys, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves, this is the truth. What was the other verse, the last one? John 17, three. I'll read it. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Can I just tell you something? If you need to be reconvinced of the truth of Christianity, go back and read John. There is no greater book to see of what Jesus says about himself, and there's no denying that Christianity is the truth and is the only way. You cannot say Jesus Christ was a great prophet because he never claims to be a great prophet. He claimed to be God. We have to be totally convinced that Christianity is the only way. Sometimes in evangelism, maybe we're not totally convinced. Maybe there's some part of us that's holding back. What's another barrier? Here's the second one. We don't realize the degree to which we have been forgiven. How many of you have forgotten how much God forgave you? I mean, think about it. The further we get away from that first day we trusted in Jesus Christ, we, we sometimes forget, right? We forget where we were. We forget how, how messed up our lives were, not just the, 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 the sins of our life, but that nature, that sin nature. I, I remember a song. There's a, there's a lot of old worship songs that came out. I think Tomlin wrote this one. It's called Here I Am to Worship. Anybody remember that one? I'll get Dave to sing it for us. This is what the chorus said over and over. And I'll never forget repeating these words over and over and over and over. And this is what it says. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it cost. See, I think sometimes in evangelism, we forget how much God has done for us. I wrote down two verses. I want to read these to you. One of them in John 19. Just listen to this. John 19, verse 25. This is kind of in the middle of, of where Jesus is being crucified. And it says this, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. I thought about the idea, the degree of what Jesus went through to forgive me, the cost that he paid, the, the, the price that he paid, the cost that had had on my life. They stood there and they watched Jesus die on the cross for theirs. Listen to me. One of the biggest barriers in our life is we forget what God's really done for us. Because we get so far from that moment when we trust in Christ. For me, it was March 24th, 1996. I remember it very vividly. I don't know why. For me, I was 19 years old in my, in my room, in my bedroom. I remember very clearly I was, I was on the phone with a friend. 
And I'll never forget talking to her about all the things that I was going through, all the things that I was doing that I had done against my Lord. And I knew better. But every time I think about that moment, I'm reminded of something. I'm reminded of the same thing that the disciples saw. Listen to this. Write this down. Luke 23, 49. Listen to what it says. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Guys, I don't know about you, but if I had to stand there and watch that, what, what, an, what an impression. What an impression to have to watch that visibly and see that physically. But I think we need to wake up every day seeing that. I think every day I need to wake up thanking God. God, I thank you for that, that visual that I have. I wasn't there, but I know what you paid for my life. The forgiveness that you, what you forgave me for, not just the sins in my life, but my sin nature. Romans talks about that no one's good, no one seeks God. Our tongues are deceitful, our hearts are deceitful. But God still forgave us. Listen to this, if we fail to remember how much we were forgiven, it will affect our passion and heart for serving God. I don't ever want to get to a point in my life where I forget all that God's done for me through the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to get to a point in my life where it's just, eh, he forgave me. I don't ever want to get to a point where it's just the cross and it's, it's just something we wear on our necks or it's something we put on our, our walls. I don't ever want the cross just to become something like that. I want the cross to mean, you know what? If it wasn't for that, that would have been me dying. That would have been my death and my separation from God. We cannot forget the degree, the payment that he paid for our forgiveness. We start to remember that, we begin to realize how important it is to tell people about Jesus, right? Here's a, here's a third thing. We forget the urgency of the task. I put this in your notes, and there's a couple of things. The Luke 16, just reading that of, of Lazarus. And, and it says, then I beg you, Father, this is what he said, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Who wants any of their family or any of their friends or any co-worker to experience what was going on here? Donna said earlier that sometimes we just don't think about it. I put in your notes, life is busy, and most days we're not focused on eternity, but on how we can just survive today. Anybody feel like that today? I, I told Pastor today, I, I think for us too, it's, it's just as easy to come in this office, to sit down and start to plan and study and, and do all the things that we do for church work and forget about the urgency of taking the gospel, not only to Thailand or Kenya or Boston, Cleveland and Nashville, but just right outside the doors. The urgency of the task. What urgency, Chris? What, what, is, what is the big deal? Well, let me ask you this. What were the last words of our, our, our Savior? <laughs> uh, yeah. He said, go and make disciples. He told them, he said, go and be my witnesses in, in, in all the parts. Go be my witness. There was an urgency to the task that he had given them. Paul says in Acts, he says, I count my life worth nothing unless I finish the task of testifying to the grace that God has given me and, 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 and commissioned me. There's this urgency and Sometimes we are the biggest barrier in our life. Look, look at this. I, I love this, and I think this is going to help us next uh, with the next barrier. If we want to better understand how to witness to people today, we need a better understanding of how people think. 
not just about our own life and what we believe, but on the back side of that, it talks about if I want to know how to better witness, then, then I want to think, I want to know how people think. When I talk to Tony, when I talk to JD, when I talk to these partners and, and I, I, I talk to them about their context, one of the things they're doing is they're studying their context. They're studying the people they're with and who they are and what they're learning. Why? Because there's a lot of baggage in Boston. Like Jamie said, there's about three Catholic churches. One's closed down for sure. It's a dollar general now. And there's been a lot of abuse happen just right there in Boston. A movie made about it. There's a lot of baggage that comes for those people. And for us just to come in thinking that we can fix the problem. If we want to know how to better witness to people today, especially in our context. Let me tell you this. Most of you have grown up in this context here, and it's kind of been the Bible belt. Can I just say it's not today? The things that we're seeing in the schools, the things that the teenagers are experiencing, the middle schoolers are experiencing, guess what? That is not your mama's neighborhood. It is changing right before us, and if we're going to witness to these people, if we're going to share the gospel and evangelize, we need to know how they think. So let me show you the next barrier. Uh, let me show you this verse first. You've seen this, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I love it. I was just talking to somebody today, and, and I've heard this several times. People say, man, I found this guy on YouTube. Man, he's so good. You need to listen to it, Chris. And I look at him, I go, no, I don't. There's so many people out there preaching things that, that sound good and make us feel good. This is what we're seeing today. This is what we're seeing in Pattersville, South Carolina now. Listen, it, when I grew up, it, it wasn't that bad. This is what we're experiencing now, that, that we're not enduring the sound teaching. So what's the second barrier? Here it is right here. It's our world. It's the people that we minister to. It's the people that are moving into our, our neighborhoods. We have to understand how they think and what they're thinking about before we can share the gospel so we know how to share the gospel. Instead of just giving them some presentation that's dry and it sounds awkward, let's think how they think. Let's find out what are they thinking about. How are they, what's going on in their minds? This is why our world is a barrier. And David Geister talked about this. We live in a postmodern, post-Christian world today. How many of you grow up here in Powdersville? Uh, anybody? Okay, a couple of you. Would you say it's different around here? Not, not just the, the, the landscape, not just all the things going up, but, but even the way people act and believe and talk and think. We live in a post-modern world, and here's some things in a post-modern world that are happening. Disbelief in a meta-narrative. What is a meta-narrative? Listen to this. It is a narrative, okay, about narratives. It is, it is a, a story explaining many stories. And so what am I talking about, Chris? What are you talking about? It's the Bible. The Bible is a grand story of many stories explaining it. This is what's happening in postmodern world. They don't want to hear it. Listen, your story's great. That's fine. It's fine for you, but it's not true for me. This is not what I believe in. This is not what I'm going to believe. So don't try and tell me this is the only story, even the best story. This is your story. And you go live it. People today are, are here. This is where they are. So we have to think, how do I share the gospel with somebody like that? If, if this right here means nothing to them, then how do I share this right here? How do I begin to get into their, their mind, their psyche to help them to see that this is truth? You've seen a lot of these things. Here's another one. They construct their own truth. Is there absolute truth today? Yes, but people think there's not, right? It's kind of, uh, they construct their own truth. Here's the other one. I, I put this down and I thought this is really good because I'm thinking about tests back in the day. I hated these on test. Fill in the blank. Who hated fill in the blank? 
You know what I wanted? Multiple choice. Because why? Because I had a better chance of getting the right answer than filling in a crazy blank that they put no hint for. I don't know what's supposed to go there. Multiple choice. What is it? Hey, C if you don't know, right? No, it didn't work now. Figured it out. They're filling the blank worldview. Postmodernism is, listen, whatever you want. You know what? Two plus two is four. Nope. Fill in the blank. It's whatever you want it to be. You know what? Marriage is between a man and a woman. No, let's not put that on there. You fill in the blank. It could be a man and a man. It could be a woman and a woman. It could be, you know what? There's 34 genders now. I don't know how many gender types now they're putting down there. You make it whatever you want. It's a postmodern world we're living in. And guess what? Powdersville is there now. If you don't believe it, then go to the schools. If you, if you haven't seen it yet, it, going in Ingalls is not opening your eyes to it, then go to our schools because it's there. And it's, and it's very, it's, it's, it's out there. Here, here's, here's another. We live in a pluralistic, where'd it go? I don't know what happened there. We live in a pluralistic world. What does that mean? All religions are true. We said that even about church attenders. But guess what? If we were to ask neighborhoods, what would happen? That number would probably jump. Right? Not only 57% would say it, but a lot of our neighbors would probably say, you know what? It's all right. If you believe in Buddha, you believe in the Hinduism, if you believe in Muhammad, whatever you want to believe in, that's fine. I'm not going to bother you. I, I love this. He used this illustration. I don't know if you've seen this proverb, the six blind men and the elephant. You ever heard of this? Old Indian proverb that came out. Six blind men, they started feeling the elephant at different places and they all had different views. One thought it was a snake. One thought it was a tree trunk. One thought it was a furry mouse. This is the world we live in today. This is the elephant we live with, that people have different views and different mindsets on this is what it is. So how do we share the gospel with people that we live with like this? Your coworkers live in a all religions are true state of mind sometimes. Maybe the students that you work with in your classroom, this is where they are, and this is the last one, probably whatever works for you. You know what? I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to put any kind of, I'm not going to put you in a, in a box or a pen. You do you. You heard that? You do you, I'll do me, and we'll be happy as can be. This is the world we live in. You've heard this. You know this. I love this. He put this image up, and I want to show it to you. Pre-modernism, modernism, post-modernism. Um, early on, if, I'm just going to show you the bottom of this slide. Look and see where the church is. Where's the church? In the center. In those days, they said the church was the center of the society. They said even the, the pastors were the intellects. Not today. It didn't happen that way. But in those days, the church had, had a high position among the people. What happens in modernism in the 19th, 20th century around there, all of a sudden the society and church are what? Separate. But check out now. This is what we live in, even in Powdersville, South Carolina. The church is just one of many. Look how small the church has become. And the society we live in, and I think it's happening more and more here. Now we can go to Boston and see it worse than where we live. We can go to Nashville, and you can see it worse than what we live in. But guess what? What I'm seeing with my own eyes is all of a sudden, it's beginning to move in to even here. And the church is just one of many. One of many options to, to things in your life. So, so why do the lost not understand the gospel? Why, why are they not listening? Why, what is it about these people that we're trying to share with that they just don't get it? I want to share some things that David Gassler also said in evangelism, conversational evangelism, he said this, they have a distorted perspective about themselves. Now listen, I know this, is, this sounds kind of like boring, but I want you to get this because this is something we need to understand before we can have conversations with people in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. These are things, these are the way, this is the way they're thinking. They have a distorted perspective about themselves. And what is the problem with that? when we're talking about Christianity. Who are we? What does the Bible say about humans? Especially in Romans, what does it say? 
We're all sinners. And no one's good. I think I, I think I put, no, it wasn't in, was it in this one? Yeah, Jeremiah 17, 9, I put the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately what? Sick, wicked. This is who we are. But in today's generation, not just generation, I wanna, I wanna clarify that. Not just generation. We, we put so much on this generation is this way and they're so spoiled. and all. It's the world we live in. It is not just young people. It is not just college age. This is everybody. One of the worst things right now. Think about this. Selfie. We, we say the selfie generation. It's a selfie world. Everybody's into it. What is social media about? Social media is about what? Me. We have this distorted perspective about ourselves and, and that causes a problem when we begin to share the gospel. Why? Because it, it all of a sudden puts a lot, a lot on, you know what, I'm not a bad person. You say I'm a sinner. The Bible says I'm a sinner, but I don't really agree with that. I, I was talking to a dad the other day because something happened with my son and another boy and, and I called him. Actually, I, he called me and we started talking. He said, I'm just, you know what, we're just trying to raise good boys here. My boy's not good. <laughs> Many of you know Jack. <laughs> but, but seriously, who, I, I put this in, in your notes. This is on the next point, but I think it kind of is fitting for both of these. But listen to this. We tend to overestimate our own righteousness and underestimate God's holiness. David said that. Dr. David Gessler said, we sometimes overestimate our own righteousness. We're not that bad. And we underestimate God's holiness. I'm going to share the gospel. I need to know who I'm talking to here. And there's a lot of people that you're sitting across the table with having coffee, trying to tell them that they are sinners and they're dying and lost without Jesus. But in their minds, what do they hear? Maybe you, but not me. Maybe you struggle with that, but I don't struggle with that. But listen, there's absolute truth. And, and the Bible said, I don't believe in absolute truth. So there we go. <laughs> the Bible doesn't mean anything to me. How, it, it makes for awkward conversation, doesn't it? They have this distorted perspective about themselves. Not only that, they have this distorted perspective about God the Father. Listen, pastor's going to start a series this Sunday. And for a few weeks, he's going to be talking about God's holiness. I beg you, come, listen, invite people, because this is very serious. And I think God takes this very serious. God sees sin. He treats it very serious. Why? Because he's holy. Because of his holiness. And sometimes we forget that. We're not obedient. And, and you know what? We need to be reminded that God is holy and he expects Holiness from his children. Psalm 5, 4. Let me, let me read that to you. Write that down. Psalm 5, 4 says this. It's a big book. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell in you. The people we live and work and eat with, they have this distorted view about God that, you know what? He's a good God. Yeah, that's sure. But is he serious about the sin in my life? Is he serious? Yes. Distorted perspective, all these things. And here's the last one. Look at this. And I think sometimes we, we need to be reminded of this. They have a distorted perspective about Jesus Christ. I put in your notes, his uniqueness. The only, listen to this, listen to this. Only religious leader who claimed to be God. Now, there have some, been some crazy people, but we're talking about of all the religions, organized religions, not like David Koresh in Waco, Texas, who is crazy. Claimed to be God. Anybody forget why Jesus was hanging on the cross? Why did they hang him on the cross? Why were the Jews so mad at Jesus? Blasphemy. 
they have a distorted view about Jesus Christ. And, and I think a lot of it because they don't, they, hey, Jesus was a great teacher. A lot of religions believe in Jesus. It's not that they deny Jesus ever existed. It's that they, they deny that he is God. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead three days later. He claimed to be God himself. People today, when we're sharing the gospel, think about this. If they have a distorted view about themselves, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, then how, how well is our gospel going to hold up in that conversation? Anybody? Are we going to get very far with them? If we don't start to help them understand what we see and what we believe and why we believe what we believe? I don't know about you, but, but I, I really believe that, that people to come to Christ, they have to admit that they're a sinner, that there's a problem in their life, that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. That there's a Father that loves them, and that Father loves them so much, and He's holy, and He can't deal with wickedness around Him, and so He's made a way. People today think it's intolerance to say that Jesus is the only way, but think about this. God made a way. How intolerant is that? He didn't have to, right? He didn't have to send his son to, to pay the price for my sin, but he did. That's not intolerant. The problem is they have this, this distorted view of who God is and why he did what he did and who Jesus is. Why do they have this distorted view now? Why do we live in, in a society now that thinks like that versus what we had in, in, in the 20s, 30s, 40s even? There's, there's something going on, and I think some of it's Satan. Some of it's maybe bad theology that's gotten out there. It's other religions that are bleeding over. <clears throat> I had a conversation today. pastor was there, and we've talked about this a little bit, of, of a couple who is, who is listening to influences that are not very good in their life. And you know where it stems? It stems from YouTube listening to things on YouTube that are, that are, that are not God's word. <clears throat> it's begin to influence them away from the church and away from, from God's purpose in their lives. We live in a world today that has distorted, a distorted perspective on who they are, who God is, and who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. So what is our job in evangelism? Our job in evangelism becomes a lot harder because now we have to show them. You know, back in the day, it was probably easy to just show them John 3, 16. They'd be like, I'm in. Now today, they say, well, why, would, why does God love me? Why do I need a Savior? I didn't know I was going to hell. Who believes in hell? All these different things in their minds. And we go into conversation sometimes. Now, I say all that and you're looking at me, you're going, Chris, that doesn't really help me now. <laughs> but I want to I share this that David Geisler said. Evangelism is a process. Having spiritual conversations with somebody that engages them in such a way that the next time they see us, they want to continue the conversation. That's so good. See, I grew up where evangelism was me, a track, and another person. And if they didn't pray to receive Christ, then I failed. I did a terrible job at reading that booklet. That, that, was, that was in my first church. I mean, that, that was, you know, we grew up. It was like you had this presentation, you go through this, and if, and if they didn't accept, you walk out the door and it's like, what have I done? Now, David Geisler, I told Pastor, he, he shared something in his video he called pre-evangelism. And, and I don't want to get into all that because I don't think evangelism is evangelism. If I'm starting a gospel conversation with somebody, I'm not going to talk about pre, but he talked about tilling the soul. <clears throat> he said sometimes in people's lives, and a lot of the postmodern people that we're going to be dealing with, it is that tilling that soul. They're a hard soul. And if I just go throw seed on hard soul, what's going to happen? 
I'm not a farmer, but I don't think it's going to attach to anything. I don't know. But, but there's, there's, there's this work, this work that goes into it before the seed is planted. And I love what he says here, that evangelism is a process. It's not a one and done sometimes. Sometimes it is sitting down with somebody over coffee and just sharing with them. What do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Why do you believe that? You know, I I read this, and this is what I believe in God's word. So what do you do with that? If Jesus claims to be the only way, what do we do with that? Evangelism is a process. So I want to give you the last few minutes here. I want to give you some easy steps that we want to kind of just help you to walk into evangelism to get you started. And then in a couple weeks, we're going to come back and share some practical ways that you can share, ways that you can start conversations with people. Uh, one of the things that, that David Geisler said, he, he said, I want people, I want to give them thought-provoking questions. In this process, I want them to think with me. It's not a bad thing, right? Are we not supposed to think as Christians? So, so when we sit down with somebody, we will... We want to be able to just ask them questions that's going to get them thinking about what they believe, what we believe, and what we think God's Word says. Not just a presentation, but a conversation that will help us to, to engage people. And I love what he said at the end here is this, that the next time they see us, they'll want to continue that conversation. That it's not that awkward bumping into them and going, uh-oh, there's that one that was sharing the gospel with me, and they're walking to the other aisle in the grocery store. But it's they're seeing us and going, you know what? Let's talk some more about that. Let's dig some more into that. I'm curious about this whole Jesus guy in the book of John saying all this stuff about being God. Let's talk about that. So here's four easy steps, I think, that can help us kind of an on-ramp into evangelism. So here they are. Number one, determine who the Lord is placing on your heart. Pastor did this, I don't know, two, three years ago we did this, I guess, and we made these cards called impact cards. On the back it has three lines, and you wrote down some names of people that are lost, people in your neighborhood that you're praying for. And so I want you to think about, determine the people that God has put on your heart. Maybe there's somebody right now, as soon as I said that, God said, you need to talk to this person, or you need to start working on this person. I want you to to get one of these cards tonight. I think I have enough for everybody. Everybody to get a card and write names. Maybe it's just a neighbor you don't even know. You know? It doesn't have to be, I I know they're lost. Maybe you don't know if they're lost or not. Put their name down and start praying so that you can have that conversation. Evangelism is a process, right? So we're going to start here. So we're going to determine who it is God's placed on our heart. Three names, neighbors, coworkers, families, etc. Number two, we're going to pray every day for this person and an open door. Last year, we, 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 we challenged you to have a gospel conversation every day, and we wanted to get up 365. We believe because the number's on here, we didn't put some of people didn't text. We had a lot of gospel conversations this year. We want to continue that, but we want to pray every day, God, would you open a door for these gospel conversations? We're not telling you just go out there with a shotgun and start going, I'm going to knock on every door in my neighborhood, and I'm just going to start spouting out, John 3.16 and Romans Road and all these things. We're just asking you to pray about open doors that you can have gospel conversations with these people on your card, okay? So determine, pray. The third one is look for divine appointments. Donna said this earlier. We just don't look sometimes. We're not paying attention. We're not looking. We're not thinking about it. Listen, we need to wake up every day asking God, God, these are the three people on my heart. You've put them there. I'm praying for open doors, and I'm looking today for you to open that door. Now, can I say this? He might not open that door today. It's all right, right? But at least I'm paying attention. I've said many times that when I pray for those open doors, they're open. The the cool thing is this. God's always working around me. You remember that? The problem is I just don't join in sometimes. And so God's doing all this stuff around me, and I'm just lollygagging over here on my own, doing my own thing, and I forget, oh man, God wanted to use me there. So we're going to look for divine appointments as we're praying for those things. So um, we're going to determine the people that God's put on our heart, pray for the people God's put on our heart, look for divine appointments. So listen carefully for bridges to the gospel. I love these two. 
and look for ways to create more interest in spiritual things. I put John 4.10 there because what did Jesus do in John 4? He used an illustration. Anybody remember what the illustration was in John 4? It was the woman at the well. So what did he use? Water. That really didn't take a genius, right? There's water. I'm thirsty. You've got water. And Jesus says, so look for ways to have those creative conversations with people. Don't, don't just walk up to somebody cheesy and they got a water bottle and be like, you know what Jesus said. <laughs> I mean, it might. Maybe open that door. I don't know. But look for ways to be creative and, and having those conversations with people. Just don't ignore it. That's basically it, right? Look for divine appointments. Here's the fourth. Make the most of every, every conversation you have with non-believers to help them take one step closer to Jesus. And evangelism is it's proclaiming what? The good news. Proclaiming the good news. And so every day we want to look for those opportunities and make the most of every conversation we have to help people, those people that we're praying for, to take one step closer to Jesus. You know what? That next step, it might be inviting Jesus into their heart and their life and trusting him for the rest of their life. But you know what? That next step, it might be just opening their ear to listen to what you have to say. That next step might be, I kind of see what you're saying, but I want to dig a little bit deeper to see what's going on here. It might be they take that next step and say, you know what? I have a lot of baggage with my family and history, but I'm curious. I'm curious of what you're saying. And see, the great thing about evangelism being a process, what happens? All I'm trying to do is to continue the conversation. Not necessarily at that moment, but maybe tomorrow, maybe the next month, maybe the next meeting we have to continue that conversation, to continue to share the gospel a little bit at a time to help them take one step closer to Jesus. I hope you come back next week here, Johnny. Come back the next week. Let us share some practical ways that you can start those conversations and things that you can say to help you understand what to say when you get into those situations, all right? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for saving us, for giving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. God, I pray that we would never forget the price that was paid. Father, would you give us a heart for the lost, for those around us that don't know you. Lord, give us a burden, a passion for reaching those that are closest to us. From our neighbors to the nations, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.